I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. I'm Sam Leverage and I'm joined by Matt Clark and we're both exhausted. What a weekend of football, Matt. Nine games played at the time that we're recording now on Sunday night. 35 goals. One of those games, obviously, the Classico, but there was so much action, so much drama across La Liga. What have you made of it all, Matt? It's just been fantastic. We've had so many doubters this season saying, oh, La Liga's not very good anymore. There's no goals in the league. And to be fair, we have been uh, the lowest league for goals scored of the big five leagues but this weekend you know bang we have been full of goals full of drama so many storylines and narratives i mean this pod could last an hour and a half easily but that's far too much of my voice for you listeners yeah, so people, people <laughs> have other things to get on with i think Matt. exactly but so no i mean we'll have to be concise but but what a weekend yeah no and obviously the headline going into the weekend was a classical and in some respects for a lot of that game it looked like it wasn't going to live up to all the hype didn't it yeah, I mean, obviously the everyone's been speaking about who's not there and there was a number of debutants in this game and uh, to be fair, we'll talk about this at length with Roman and Haas, but we didn't quite live up to the hype really. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a new era for El Clasico, but a familiar result with Real Madrid winning yet again. Yeah, exactly. And coming off the back of the 5-3 Sevilla win over Levante, it was almost disappointing to only have the three goals at Camp Nou. Yeah, and two of them very late as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's head over to that. Then let's listen into a bit of the action in that game and then listen in to see what we can get from Haz and Roman, our resident Real Madrid and Barcelona fan, and what they thought of the tie. Jordi abre para Zupati, va a intentar encarar a Zupati. Le da un metro Luca al Superamenfield de Pai. La pierde de Pai. La lleva Jordi. Uy, la lleva David Zalaba. Mingueza se le va otra vez más Vinicius. Aguanta Vinicius, como la contra del Madrid, jugando para Rodrigo, que bien la mete Rodrigo para Alaba. Alaba en la frontal le va a pegar a Alaba, chuta. Gol, 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 gol. Y gol. Si todavía no sabéis a lo que juega el Madrid, me llamáis. Y gol, 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 gol. Contraataque de tiralíneas del Madrid. Robó el Madrid arriba en cuatro pases. Encontró la superioridad numérica y David Zalaba con la izquierda. We're here with a couple of fans from the La Liga Lodan group and having just seen that Clásico, which was another win for Real Madrid 2-1 at Camp Nou. 
It's now their fourth consecutive win in the Clasico. That's the first time that's happened for 56 years. We've only had one Barcelona win at Camp Nou in the last nine Clasicos, and that was the 5-1, which was the end for Julian Lopetegui. And Ronald Koeman is only the second coach to lose his first three Clasicos. So that's the context uh, in which we're sitting now. We're joined here by Roman Darker, Has Karin, and Sam Leverage, who was at the stadium. I'll come to you first, Has. Well, first of all, how do you feel after that result? Uh, I was expecting us to, you know, triumph in this one because obviously Barca have been in somewhat of a turmoil this season. Um, so I, I expected to go in there and pick up all three points. I would have been disappointed if they didn't. Um, I said the only drawback was I didn't do more. Uh, you know, we had chances throughout. We should have probably should have scored more than we did. Um, but all in all, you know, three points is the important thing at this point in time, especially you know as you know the other rivals are doing well at the same time as well. So. It all adds to the same contribution in that sense. Yeah, three more Los Blancos points in the Glasgow. Roman, it's another defeat. It's it's uh, becoming quite a sequence in big games under Cumin. What's your reaction from from the game? Well, um, disappointed because I think uh, Barca actually showed up to this game. A lot of us thought it would be uh, a much easier win for Real Madrid, I'd say. But in the end, you know, Barcelona were there. Um, they tried to generate even though they really struggled, but they had those two, three uh, really good chances which could have given us goals, you know, especially that desktop opportunity which should have gone in. Uh, but unfortunately, Kuman has always complained about this, about the fact that they generate, but they don't uh, have the capability of finishing these opportunities. And it really showed today, you know, that Barca are just missing something up there. And it's a pity because um, I had hoped during the game that the team could pull out maybe with a draw at least because I thought they were quite decent, much better image than, for example, the one against Dinamo Kiev where despite winning, we were awful. Uh, Barca, at least, as I said before, showed up in this game and uh, it's a bit of a pity that uh, Real Madrid got that um, relatively comfortable win, we could say. Mm, Lucas Vasquez making it 2-0 just before the end, but then, of course, uh, Aguero in his first Clasico appearance uh, pulling one back, but there just wasn't enough time for any more from Barca. Uh, Sam, you were at Camp Now in the stands. How was the atmosphere? There was there was quite a lot of fans in attendance. There were fears that the attendance would be low, but there was about eighty six thousand at Camp Now. What what was your feeling on on the mood inside, and and how, what did you think of the game as a, a relative neutral? I think in the first half the fans were very up for it. I mean, Barcelona started very well. I mean, the first half. Other than the goal, Real Madrid didn't have many chances. Barcelona had the better ones, that, that death chance that Roman mentioned. And the fans are really kind of enjoying the game, getting behind the team. I think second half, as the tempo slowed, as the players looked more tired, as Real Madrid looked a bit more comfortable, the atmosphere kind of settled down. But then, I mean, you could sell the frustration at the end when Luke de Jong came on. Fans were whistling, booing as he came on. When his first touch, they were shouting, ole, ole, when he was losing possession. So, I mean... You can tell that Camp is in a very happy place at the moment, that's for sure. Mm. As for the kind of tactical approach, it seemed to me that both sides were looking to attack down their left-hand sides with weaknesses in defence predominantly on the defensive right. Hass, do you think that was Real Madrid's main tactic? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I think down, you know, both sides, to be honest, Real Madrid were dangerous, but obviously the, the primary target was to get it to uh, Vinicius or to Rodrigo, who actually had quite a good game. Um, they seemed to interchange a fair bit. You did see Vinicius and Rodrigo cropping up here and there. Um, but yeah, I do feel that was a primary thing, because I think that's where they spotted Barca, probably weakest at the back, at least anyway. 
um, down that side where I'm in Greece it was. And what about that first goal? Uh, David Alaba winning possession, starting the move Oof, off, brilliant. and then, <laughs> and then finishing it in style on his first appearance in the Classico. What a way to announce yourself to the fans! Yeah, we mentioned it obviously in the in the group chat. Obviously, you uh, mentioned it on Twitter as well, sort of channeling that sort of number four uh, energy and getting that you know that absolutely brilliant goal. It was a hell of a finish. Uh, you know, well started by him as well. Um, it was it was it was just a pr- pretty much exactly what I was expecting him to do: get it on the counter and just find those gaps that Barca do tend to leave quite a lot at the moment. Mm. Roman, what was your kind of take on on the tactical approach taken, and and where was the game lost for you? Well, I mean, the fact is that when you have um, Kuman tactically working on a game, there isn't much tactics, I'd say, and you can tell when Barca is like. Uh, in the edge of the box, you know, the players just don't really know what to do. They're not sure whether to go for a one-two. Uh, there's no speed moving the ball. There's lack of movement from the players themselves. And they're just kind of blocked, you know. So it's maybe a couple of uh, simple passes and a shot or or a cross, which goes nowhere. So the thing is, I think Barca really need more work in those uh, last meters towards area, you know, where uh, the team has the quality to do much more. I mean, Memphis and Sufati, all these guys uh, can generate opportunities, but they're just... Uh, lacking some some ideas, I'd say, and some help maybe from the manager in this sense. So, if if we've been capable of actually doing damage with the ball, because we had a lot of the ball, we were, we had quite a lot of control in the first half, and then in some parts of the second half, which I thought we were quite decent. But it's just you know something's missing up there, and it's just a pity because uh, if we had that capability of finishing finishing off chances and especially generating good chances, uh, we would be so much more dangerous. Mm, yeah, there was plenty of big names on the show. I mean. Coutinho came into the game second half. Memphis started, of course. Aguero came on. Um, Ansu Fati started. Couldn't quite complete the 90, but that's understandable, coming back from injury still. Um, yeah, it just seemed that Barcelona got into great positions and then there was either a pause or just too much time taken on the ball and then Madrid got back into the shape and it just got crowded out and it came to nothing. Sam, any other thoughts from you on, on the, the, the game itself and who was kind of the standout performer? Yeah, well, I mean, on that topic, I think Barcelona, you could tell there were a lot of nerves. I mean, if you look at their front line, Memphis Depay in his first Clasico, Ansu Fati's only played one, Sergio Tess started in attack, he's only played two, and he's a full-back more than a striker. And then even in midfield, I mean, Gabby was looking very nervous, but I mean, the big one for me was Memphis Depay, he had a chance later on, instead cut it back, and that was just before Lucas Vasquez scored the second goal for Real Madrid. But mm-hmm. for me, overall, and I'd be interested to see how his reaction to this, I was more disappointed by Real Madrid than I was by Barcelona. I mean, Barcelona is what it is. I mean, everyone knows their, their limitations, the problems in their squad. But Real Madrid today, I mean, Vinicius and Benzema, I mean, as is often the first to tell us, they're the two best attackers in La Liga. And I don't think either of them had really a, a decent chance today against a, a Barcelona team who aren't that great. I expected a lot more from Real Madrid in that game. And I think Barcelona would have been there for the taking if Real Madrid had gone for it. I don't know if it was just tired legs after that trip to to Kiev in midweek for what it was, but Real Madrid were really quite disappointing with that one counter-attacking goal and then they just sat back, defended deep and were happy to settle for a 1-0 and maybe a second goal on the counter. Ass, would you like to respond to that? Yeah, I, I mean, I did kind of allude to it when, uh, when we first opened up. I think we had chances where we could have been a bit more clinical, a bit more sort of incisive um, and definitely could have made more of it. I mean, for me, I wanted to make a statement. I would like to have seen a statement win. Um, because you know it's important to do those things, especially on the road. You know, at you know enemy territory like that, and especially in a game of that magnitude. Um, so the fact that they did sort of 
they were a bit timid. I would say that's fair. I would say that's a bit fair. But yeah, Benzema definitely wasn't uh, 100% in this game. You could see that uh, whatever that knock was that he'd suffered midweek had some sort Ballon of... Uh, Ballon pressure, maybe. Maybe, mate, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, that knock, whatever it was that he'd had on the... I think they said this inside of the ankle. Maybe that was, you know, sort of uh, badgering him a bit. Vinicius, I thought, was quite good. So I'm not sure what Sam's feeling there, but I thought Sam, uh, I thought Vinicius did, you know, put a, a good stamp on the game. Um, I think Barcelona was scared of him, to say the least, especially that uh, when Greece didn't know what to do with him when he ever seemed to run at him. Um, yeah, he but I mean, this is up against Sergio Dest and Oscar Betha. I mean, they're not the best right-backs in La Liga. Yeah, true. I mean, maybe Vinicius did okay, but I think the whole attacking unit for Real Madrid was a little bit lacking. Maybe it was just that. Benzema's not fully fit that, that Vinicius yeah. wasn't yeah. really having his best game, but I think Real Madrid weren't at their best today. Mm. Yeah, for my, I'd say that's fair. For my part, I think, as you say, Vinicius looked pretty electric when he was on the ball. Didn't always come off for him, but at the same time, he forced that half-time change and get the hooked and, uh, and it really altered uh, Koeman's entire approach, having to bring Dest back. So I think in that sense, that was a kind of moral victory for him. Roman, we speak a lot about Ronald Koeman and how long he has left. Do you think, do you think this game, at least in the performance, do you think this makes it more likely that he'll be given some more time or do you think it's less likely? Do you think he's, he's closer to, to the exit door? Honestly, it's reached a point where I just don't know uh, because uh, let's not forget the beginning of the season. Uh, Laporta was doing his best to find someone else. Then he decided to stick to him. And then when he had all the arguments to get rid of him uh, just before the international break, he just decides to keep uh, trusting him. So, I mean, I don't really know what Laporta uh, is, is doing, you know, what, what is his, why he's taking this sort of decision, uh, whether it's, it's a money or economical problem if that's the reason then okay i can understand it but maybe um i don't know it just just doesn't make sense he isn't really following a certain criteria and it's true we've seen an improvement against uh, madrid in terms of the, how the team has played but i don't think it's enough because uh, against the big teams barca just uh, doesn't do well doesn't get good results we've seen it against atletico we've seen it against bayern we've seen it against so many teams last season also and i don't think we've had any good results against uh, strong sides maybe uh, the best we've managed this against Sevilla last season where we got the Copa del Rey win and all that but uh, Sevilla isn't top tier we could say they're still a step underneath teams like Real Madrid, Atletico etc so I mean with Kuman, I just don't see us improving and I'm, I'm saying this and I was one of the guys who thought that Kuman deserved to continue after winning the Copa del Rey after seeing some really good performances where the team seemed to click uh, forward but then this season it's just not happening and losing Messi makes it even harder I can understand that but uh, I just don't see Kuman getting more out of these players and as I said before tactically he's lacking a lot I think and we need somebody else and why not think about Xavi well I'm sure he'll be linked once again in the in the Barcelona press as he so often is so that's just one point for Koeman in six matches now in La Liga against Atleti and Real Madrid which yeah certainly isn't the greatest return well the action comes thick and fast both sides are in action midweek in the next round of fixtures Thank you very much to Roman, Hassan and Sam for joining us there. Um, Roman, hopefully this uh, you'll be able to get over this pretty soon. And Hass, enjoy your evening. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Matt. Take care. Cheers.
But of course, there's so much more to the top end of La Liga than just Real Madrid and Barcelona, especially this season. And so we head to the Estadio Wanda Metropolitano, where there was a dramatic comeback. La Real Real Sociedad took a two-goal lead in Madrid, but Liverpool did the same earlier on in the week and were pegged back. And Atletico did it yet again. They managed to secure a two-all draw. So let's listen in some of the drama from that as Alexander Isaac and Luis Suarez stole the show. Isak with a shot and he scored! A fantastic start to the second half. One striker on the score sheet at the beginning of the game and the other one joins him at the start of the second period and it's Atletico Madrid nil, Real Sociedad 2. Up steps Luis Suarez and he scores! He tends to score against Real Sociedad, that's seven goals against them now. Um, how many consequential touches has he had tonight? Well, I tell you what, two of them have both ended up in the back of the Real Sociedad net. It's Atletico Madrid 2, Real Sociedad 2. So, Matt, I mean, we heard the drama that happened at the Estadio Wanda Metropolitano there. What did you make of the game? I mean, what could we really take from that for both La Real and, and Atletico? Well, again, I think it was a really intriguing game. Uh, La Real obviously going there, top of the table. A real stern test for them for their title credentials up against the reigning champions in their own backyard where we know it's, it can be a hostile atmosphere with the fans in and uh, well they started off perfectly a goal inside seven minutes I think it's the quickest goal anyone's ever scored at the one in Metropolitano um, uh, even earlier than one that Abar scored a couple of seasons ago so they didn't seem phased at all and okay the Aleti came into the game into that first half but they got to half time and I think it was a bold team selection from Imanol because he went two up top, both both Scandinavian Alexes, Surlot and Isaac, and it really worked. So they, they put a lot of pressure on Letico's back line. Um, I mean, the opening goal, there's a chasm at centre-back, and Surlot has kind of the freedom of, of the Wanda to just slot that home. And uh, yeah, Atleti seemed a little bit shocked by that, but um, true to their style this season, they've gone behind many times, but fought back. It got even worse for them in the second half, as we know, that, that, that free kick from Isaac, that made it 2-0. He was fantastic uh, on Sunday night. And that's when Letty really did kind of show that, well, the backs were really against the wall then. They were staring down the barrel of two consecutive home defeats. But then, of course, El Pistolero, the Suarez zone, so effective in the running last season, it came to the fore again. Wasn't really involved in much of the game before that, but my, oh my, he... He, he's the headline again, isn't he, with those two goals. The header, then forcing the penalty to then take the penalty and score. Ah, so many points he's, he's retrieved for them this season. Their last six La Liga goals, he's been directly involved in all of them. The two away at Hetafe in the comeback win, a goal and assist against Barca, and then the two on Sunday night against Real Sociedad. So he's still proving that even as he's getting older, he is still as decisive as ever. Yeah, and I mean, other than that, I mean, I was talking on Twitter saying that Luis Suarez was doing absolutely nothing for Atletico. I mean, we've seen it so many times this season, haven't we? I mean, that Hetafe game in particular was one of those games where he did absolutely nothing the whole way through the game and then popped up with two goals. And here we were again with the same old story of Luis Suarez not bringing much to the table, but then at that key moment, pivotal moment, he turns up with a huge goal. And I mean... What have you been making of Atletico Madrid? I mean, I think they were excellent at times against Liverpool. They were were excellent against Barcelona. But in a lot of other games, I mean, from 13 games so far this season, they've gone behind in seven of them. And Diego Simeone spoke on Saturday about how he was beginning to, to worry a little bit about this kind of trend and, 
And after the game, Angel Correa came out and said it was urgent that they correct it. I mean, do you think it's just a peculiarity and that Atletico will start taking control of games or is there something a bit more worrying there? I think there is cause for concern. I think they are going behind far too often in matches and they are conceding quite a number of goals, which is unlike them. We know they haven't quite got the same defenders they used to have. And we know that centre-back has been a bit of an issue in terms of numbers, especially when Diego Simeone wants to play three. But but on the flip side of that, you say, well, at the same time, they keep coming back. And that that is a trend as well. That is a pattern that is more than just a one-off. In, in the calendar year, Opta brought this stat out tonight. In the calendar year, they've taken 25 points from losing positions in, in La Liga, which is more than any other side in Europe's top five leagues. So, you know, that, that kind of recovery power cannot be kind of overstated really um but yeah you're right i mean if Simeone's worried about it then that's enough for atletico fans to worry about it in my opinion yeah and you kind of touched on it there and one thing that i wanted to mention i'm not sure quite how to word this but yeah not black i mean he's the best goalkeeper in the world i'm not sure there's much debate about that but there were some complaints that maybe he could have done a bit better with the first goal on Sunday night. Maybe he could have done a bit better with his ex-free kick as well. I mean, are we seeing Jan Oblak maybe not his best, but is that because of the defensive chaos in front of him? I mean, Mario Hermoso and Felipe were all over the shop against Real Sociedad. I mean, is this a matter of Oblak not being at his best? Is it the defence not being at their best and Oblak's having to work even more miracles than he usually does or somewhere in between? I think it's a bit of a combination of all of that, to be honest. I think, OK, Oblak isn't quite performing at his usual level. He's not making as many saves as, as perhaps we're used to. Um, but then equally, you can see that he's frustrated with the defence in front of him. As you say, the, the errors are, are creeping in with, with too much regularity. I think Stefan Savic is a, a much bigger miss than many people realise. And, and yeah, they're, they're just struggling to kind of basically just get it right from the start. And... They're making these mistakes. It's forcing them to dig in and come back in games. And you know, one, you know, more often than not, as we go on, that that won't be enough. Teams will will have a lead. And well, even tonight it was only a draw. Of course, I mean, it it looks like a, obviously a good result being two 0 down. But you know, at home to a to a team like Real Sociedad, Atleti would probably be expecting to win these games if they want to make sure they win the league again. So you can look at it as a point gain, but at the same time, I think, like you say defensively there are concerns um, you know three conceded against Liverpool two again on Sunday night so it is something that, that must be getting to Simeone and, and the fans as well because you know when, when you keep having to come from behind we've seen it with Manchester United to an extent in the Premier League they kept coming from behind but then to a point it just gets that stage where you just can't keep doing it so yeah problem I think Great so I mean obviously you mentioned there a big point for, for Real Sociedad, I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Matt. Yes or no? Can Real Sociedad keep up this kind of form all season? Are they going to be top four challengers? My head would say probably not, but they're defying expectation at the moment because they've had so many injuries. And, you know, without talismanic Mikel Oyarzabal for the last few games now, and they're still finding ways to score goals to get results. They're unbeaten since the opening day. And that's a real credit to, to Imanol and to the squad and to the way they play. You know, they've had a lot, lot of changes, many of them forced. I mean, David Silva's missed games, he's come back. Isaac missed a few, he's now back. Zubimendi got injured in midweek. So there's so many players that have come in and out. And there's, there's no kind of consistency in the lineup because 
you know, they simply can't be because of the injuries, but they just keep finding a way of performing at a very high level and, you know, navigating a pretty tough Europa League group with some demanding league games. And yeah, of course, as we go into the kind of real autumn winter grind, that's when the answer will be known, I think. But right now, there's no reason to say that they can't finish in the top four, really, to my mind. Fantastic. So let's take a look at the rest of the action after a short break. So stick with us when we're taking a look at all the drama at Mestalla, the drama in Seville in both games there. I mean, loads to talk about. And we'll also take a look at our most valued player of the week. So stay tuned. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to La Liga Lowdown, a match day 10 recap. Usually at this point in the show, we'll go through some of the other games in the week and me and Matt will have a conversation and we'll say, no, we don't want to talk about this one or that one. They were dull, boring games. But this weekend, we just can't do that with any of them, can we, Matt? Every single game was brilliant for, Every for different game. reasons. So we started off on Friday night, obviously, Osasuna. A win would have put them top, but a late Granada equaliser pulled them back. Then we headed into Saturday, and I mean, Saturday, the first game on Saturday was possibly even the game of the weekend. Mallorca taking a two-goal lead at Mestalla. Kangin Lee, who left Valencia in the summer, obviously being very influential there, then getting sent off, and Valencia scoring two goals, the winner in the 99th minute. I mean, Matt, just capture the drama of that game for us. I mean, it was just, you couldn't write it, could you really? I mean... Kangin, there were fan, there were fans at Mustai with South Korean flags and you know saying welcome back Kangin, and you just felt like he was going to be integral to the story in one way or another. The assist for the opening goal was phenomenal, perhaps the assist of the season so far, and of course the goal scorer as well, Angel against Bordalas, his former manager. So that was you know twice really the law of the X 
coming back to haunt Bordalas and Valencia. And and then 2-0, at this point you're worried for Valencia because this is a game that they really should win. They've had some tough games in fairness and they've competed. So there's been improvement for sure. But then when you're 2-0 down at Mestalla against Mallorca, you start to worry again because the run they were beginning to get on is, is a concerning one. But then as you say, this late salvo, I mean, Geddes, he just decided, well, whatever we're trying isn't working, so I'm just going to hit this. And it flew into the goal. You're thinking, okay, consolation, not really enough time to come back. But Mallorca, I thought they managed the game pretty poorly at 2-1, to be honest. I didn't think they made enough of their breakaways. I think Fernandinho had a great chance on the break to kind of just either run it down or win a foul. He didn't really do either. He just kind of let himself be knocked off the ball too easily. And then from that, Valencia launched it back. And then Jose Luis Gaia, I mean, it, we've obviously spoken a lot about Valencia's departures in terms of Dani Parejo, Rodrigo, Ferran Torres, but Gaia really is the soul of this team now. And he came up big in the last moment. It was a really well-worked goal as well, kind of diagonal ball across, knocked down. Gaia just threw, threw everything at it. And the celebrations show what it means. And okay, yeah, 2-2 against Mallorca at home. They'd want more on paper, but you know you have to be happy with the way they've come back from two goals down when it looked it looked lost. And yeah, I, I, we, I think we tweeted this on on La Liga Lowdown. Mallorca have just thrown away points late far too often this season, and Valencia have also taken a lot of late points this season. There was a draw at Granada, uh, there was this draw, and of course um, there was another one as well. I think it was also a late late goal to give them some points. So, yeah, Valencia, the late Kings and Mallorca very much don't want any added time at all. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, the next game up was was Alaves, the only team to keep a clean sheet so far this weekend. I mean, who would have thought that going into the weekend? Alaves down the relegation zone, only one clean sheet all season, a hostel who braced there. Then next up was Elche Espanol, another thrilling game. I mean, Elche took the lead from Lucas Boyer, then there was a comeback from Espanol, who went 2-1 up with Raul de Tomas on the score sheet. And then, of course, Benedetto scoring a late equaliser for Elche, the the hosts in that one. I mean, I guess the main talking point from that one might is going to be Raul de Tomas. And, I mean, we saw Gerard Moreno come off injured for Villarreal on, on Saturday night as well. I mean, is Raul de Tomas in the, in the Spain squad next time? Well, if he isn't, I'm not sure... I'm not sure what Luis Enrique is seeing, to be quite honest, because, I mean, Raul de Tomas, he was the best striker in Segunda last season... And he's he's clearly the MVP for this Espanyol side. There are 10 goals in La Liga this season. He's been directly involved in 70% of them. Seven out of 10 have been either scored or assisted by him. And yet again, he was the difference in that in that kind of rapid comeback. The quality of the goals were fantastic again. Embarba on the left-hand side and Raúl de Tomás, when he teed it up for Morlanes, fantastic finish. And then straight away, they just hit them again. And Raúl de Tomás had space in the Elche box and his finish was First time unerring. You know, he knows where the goal is. And if Spain are going to struggle for goals, Ferran Torres, of course, injured as well. So if you're looking for a player that will guarantee you a, a finish when he see, you know, when he's got the chance, I would I would put my money on Raul Tomas, to be quite honest with you. Um, and, and again, Elche, to be fair, they went for it as well. When they got the equaliser, they were pushing for the winner. And they nearly did get it. It was a great move down the right, uh, back heel in the box and a fantastic save as well from uh, from Diego Lopez right at the last minute so I mean that could have that could have been 3-2 Elche and 
just it's really good to see these two sides that are going for it because, as we've said, quite a lot of games this season have been quite stodgy. We talked about Levante Hitafe last week. Paco was, you know, pulling his eyes out watching that game for the entire of the entirety of the ninety minutes. You know, teams scared to lose, but not a bit of it this weekend. These two teams, Elche Espanol, both going for the win. It was great to see. Yeah, and if there was one game which was a little bit more gritty, maybe not the word, but Athletic Villarreal. Athletic took the 2-1 win at, at San Mamés and I mean a big win in their, their hopes to return to Europe this season. I mean Raul Garcia scored early on then Francisco Colán pulled one back for, for Villarreal with a, an interesting celebration. And then the second half Athletic kind of made it their own. Ike Mayanyain scoring from the, the penalty spot after an Alberto Moreno stamp and then another penalty a few minutes later but Alex Berenguer missed that one. I mean was this a worthy win for Athletic? I think on the whole, you'd have to say just about. I mean, Villarreal are very frustrating to watch. They play so well in, in so many ways, but then they just don't take enough. Uh, they don't make enough of their domination of games. They have the ball in, in great areas. They, don't cr- they, they create some chances, but then they don't really seem to be able to finish them in, in just that final moment. It isn't quite right. Um, I thought Dan Juma was very bright again. He's continued his, his strong start. Uh, Samuel Chuquese has came, come back into it. He came in uh, for the injured Gerard Moreno and he, he looked lively as well. He had a great chance though, I think at 1-1, which would have obviously put Villarreal ahead. But then overall, I think Athletic, they've really got something going there under Marcelino. You look at the noise when Munoain put that penalty in, it was just deafening. And I think it was the first game at San Andreas with full capacity back again. And that could be a real factor for their European hopes this season. But just a quick word on Munoain. He's been fantastic. I mean, he, he he made the penalty, he provoked it, he then scored it, and he also created five chances in the game. And for an athletic side that we don't often associate with kind of lots of chances in games, if, if he can create five chances in the game against the quality of Villarreal, that's, that's a good omen for them, I would say. So, yeah, big win for Athletic Club. Bit of a statement, and, and they look solid at the back too. Exactly that. And then Sunday's action, we've already spoken about two of the games, but let's group the other two together because I'm not sure quite what is in the waters in the Rio Guadalcabir this weekend but two games which produced 13 goals I mean Sevilla Levante was was a crazy game I mean Levante of old almost and Sevilla with the kind of discipline that we've been seeing this season completely disappeared so eight goals in that Sevilla win over Levante and then, of course, Betis welcomed Rayo Vallecano, and, and that was another dramatic one with Rayo coming back from two goals down to, to draw a level, and then William Jose scoring the, the penalty in the second half to to win that one. I mean, who are you most impressed by out of the two Seville teams this weekend? Oh, that that is a very good question. That is a very good question. I, and well, I, I think I have to say Betis, to be honest. I mean, They've only lost four games in the calendar year in all competitions. I mean, that's remarkable when you think of, of where they were under Ruby. Pellegrini has done a fantastic job there without spending hardly anything. Um, so, yeah, they keep rolling. They had a, a really entertaining draw with, with Leverkusen in the Europa League in midweek. So that would have taken a lot out of them because that's kind of their main rival in the group. But then to come and, and beat Arayo's side, who we know have been very entertaining this season, they know what they're about. They can play good football. And, and yeah, for Betis, I mean, yeah, credit to Rio. They came back twice in the game. Oscar Trejo again involved. He's, uh, he's been involved, I think, in, in six or seven goals in La Liga this season as well, which is a really impressive tally so far. 
But again, Betis, they just find a way. Um, and, and yeah, William Jose settled in really well. He looks like, with him and Borja, they look like they've finally got a pair of goal scorers who will take those chances that, that they will inevitably create with the likes of Fekir and Sergio Canales. Uh, as for Sevilla, I mean, well, Oliver Torres' goal is, is phenomenal. If you haven't seen that, make sure you check that out. Probably the goal of the weekend in, in a pretty high category, to be fair. Um, but yeah, again, Rafa Mir, he's scoring in regular kind of, uh, he's scoring regularly. That's a great plus for Sevilla with Naziri having some fitness issues. And you think at 4-1, yep, that's job done. But then Levante just come from nowhere with another two goals. And you're thinking, what is going on here? Is this a Paco Lopez side again? This is old Levante. And uh, and yeah, finally they get the fifth and that kind of kills it off really. But yeah, crazy I mean, game. Severe. I mean, they've only scored four goals in the last five games before this one. And then they had five different goal scorers on Sunday morning. I mean, especially with Enneziri, who's obviously on his way back from injury, and with Lucas Acampos, Eric Lamela, two other big goal scorers, both on the bench. I mean, nobody saw five goals coming from Sevilla. I mean, how good a team performance was it? Because I think that was what stood out for me, was that there was no kind of individual that stood out in particular for Sevilla. I mean, Oliver Torres was fantastic. Jesus Navas was very good as well. But, I mean, this was a real team performance, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's the quality of, of Lopetegui, to be fair. Every every side he's coached, he's kind of made them more than the sum of their parts. Um, you know, Europa League victory over, obviously, the semi-final against Manchester United and then the final against Inter. Both squads, you'd probably say pound for pound, Sevilla were probably inferior to, but they overcame them both in the end to win the Europa League. And then, obviously, they've been consistent in the league, consistently in the top four. Um, you watch them in the Champions League and you just feel like there's, they're holding back a bit. There's another gear they need to get into to really push on in that competition. So hopefully they'll do that. But this is a good start. This, you know, as you say, five different goal scorers, a big win. A couple of the goals were, were kind of Dimitrovic errors. So you kind of say that doesn't happen every week. So that's a bit of a write-off, to be fair. So, yeah, I think, you know, the El Gran Derby is coming up in a couple of weeks. So that is one that's going to be surely fantastic. And, yeah, both these sides are really looking up the table. Definitely. I mean, I've already set my countdown clock just for that game. I mean, it's going to be a huge one. I mean, two teams who, who could even be competing for the same kind of position. So that's November 7th for that one. It's going to be a cracking game for, for the Seville derby this time around. So, Matt, there I mean, be fireworks. Seville, we're a team performance, but we are interested in the individuals as well. So let's turn our attentions to, to the MVP of the week. Who's your first pick? I've I've got to go with with Hosselu. I think he is so integral to the chances that Alaves have of staying up. Um, put simply, if he doesn't score, then their options are limited to basically set pieces. Um, and you know he's got a good run of scoring um, against this opponent. And I think yeah, if, if he can deliver that kind of 10, 12 goals this season, that might be enough for Alaves to get over the line. I think it'll be a long shot, but I think you know if if he's on form. I think, as we as we know, he wanted probably to leave in the summer. That move didn't happen, so he started off quite slowly. But I think if if he's among the goals again, that's that's good news for Javier Calleca. Fantastic, yeah. I mean, that was a very strong performance from from Marcelo, wasn't it? I mean, I'm going to pick out another one, and I think it has to come from the Real Sociedad Atletico game. And for me, I was kind of split in two minds because I couldn't pick out one player. I mean. 
There were several big performances. Jao Felix was magnificent, didn't quite get on the score sheet. Luis Suarez obviously scored the brace, but maybe the rest of his contribution wasn't quite as impressive. So I'm going to go with Alexander Isak. I think to go away from home, to go to a stadium like the Wanda Metropolitano, up against Jan Oblak, up against the kind of defence that Atletico have that reputation for, and to dominate, I think that's what he did. It was quick, his movement was good. I mean, the pass for that first goal from, from Solot was incredible. I mean, first touch, pass, perfectly weighted, perfectly timed. I mean, that's all that Real Sociedad can ask for. I mean, we've seen Alexander Diza, we've seen lots of talk about him and how good he could be. And I think this performance is one that's going to get scouts from all over Europe's top clubs watching him and maybe he is worth a bid in the summer or in January. I mean, this is what Real Sociedad need if they are going to break into the top four. His performances like this from Alexander Isak. So going to the biggest stage, the biggest opposition and producing a display like that, I think that earns his nomination from me. What about you? What's your second choice? Well, I've already mentioned him. I'm going to go for Iker Munyain. I think he ran the show for Athletic Club and, you know, he's been there so long now. He, We spoke about um, Gaia being the soul of Valencia. Well, Munyain epitomises Athletic and, you know, the connection with the fans is so strong and his creativity is just fantastic. And, you know, if, if I, I'm sure if he didn't play for Athletic, if he played for a kind of even a Villarreal, Valencia type club, I'm sure he would be even more highly rated. I think just because he's kind of comfortable in his location uh, at Athletic in Bilbao, I think he just kind of goes under the radar a little bit. And I think I think he deserves more recognition. And, and this performance certainly is, uh, is a good starting place for me. Exactly that. I mean, he's a real leader within that team as well, isn't he? I mean, so recognisable as as the Mr. Athletic after some of the other guys, the old guard who've moved down now, and he's kind of stepped up to that that mantle. Absolutely. And who's your who's your final pick? One from the Classico? I think it has to be one from the Classico, doesn't it? I mean, I think David Alaba is the standout there. I think he was superb all-round performance. I mean, his goal was superbly taken. I mean, you tell me that that's a Karim Benzema finish, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it was fantastic chance. And you think he's playing centre-back, how does he even end up there? I mean, it was only a 0.09 XG shot and he finished it brilliantly. And after bringing the ball forward coming up from deep, and I mean, that was the thing watching it was that you see Memphis Depay running back with him and then he just leaves him because he thinks, no, Alaba's going to track back, Alaba's not going to continue his run and then he does. And that was eventually what made the difference. And for me, that was what made the difference between Real Madrid and Barcelona. There was just that, that extra bit of determination, the extra bit of confidence that the centre-back can go and make that run and, and have a go at a goal like that. Whereas Barcelona are a bit more slow and, and turgid. But, but Alaba was fantastic. I mean, not just for the goal, but his all-round performance. I mean, Ansu Fati didn't get a sniff. Memphis Depay looked terrified of Alaba every time he came close to coming up against him. I mean, this was his first Classico. And I mean, you saw some of the other players on the pitch in their first Classicos. Memphis is a good example. Gabby was also in his I mean these are players who the nerves were really on show as we discussed earlier with Hazan Hazan Roman but I think for Alaba there was no sign of that Alaba kind of came here and said look I'm going to boss this game and that's exactly what he did so for me he's he's the fourth pick for our MVP mm, fourth pick number four just like the old number four from Real Madrid in Clasicos eh? yeah and that kind of role that <laughs> that was just the Sergio <laughs> Ramos role and now David Alaba filling it perfectly so Matt let's finish up here 
what was your moment of the week? I think for all the narrative and all the the way we could almost see it coming, the the Valencia Mallorca game lived up to every expectation possible, and I think that last minute equaliser from Gaia for me has to be the moment of the weekend because it was just so late, so you know it felt so harsh on Mallorca, but equally felt in a way deserved for Valencia. It was, it was a very strange game overall, but. As we've described, but uh, yeah, for me, that has to be the moment. How about you? I couldn't agree more. I mean, 99th minute winner is always going to be the, the drama. I mean, in a way, I think there's also worthy mention for Lucas Vasquez and his second goal for Real Madrid. I mean, that whole kind of sequence of the chance of Barcelona. I mean, sat in the stands at Camp Nou, everyone's kind of on, the, on stood up, ready for the goal to go in, ready for the shot to come. I just couldn't quite get there. And then Real Madrid went up the other end and scored. I mean, it was kind of roller coaster ride of emotions. But that was nothing compared to Gaia and that and that last minute equaliser. So let's listen into that as we as we finish up, Matt. And make sure to stay tuned this week. We've got plenty of new content coming out. Obviously, we've got a midweek match day to keep your eyes peeled for. We've also got an interesting blog post from Ren Mora on the Real Sociedad and their and their form as we've touched upon in this podcast as well. So stay tuned, keep following us on all the channels twitter in particular and we'll be back later on this week to cover all of the midweek action and let's just hope there's as many goals and as much drama as there has been for this match day so thanks very much matt thanks very much matt for joining us pleasure and thanks to you all for listening so now let's tune in to mestaya and the chaos and drama of the final few minutes there launch what might well be their last attack into the area it goes, Elder Costa, and it's gone in! And they've equalised! 97 minutes on the clock, and it's the captain, Gaia, who's got the goal. Bordelas celebrates in his technical area. Who would have thought a 2-2 against Mallorca would be celebrated like this at Mestalla? But when you're two goals down, and there are just five minutes left, you take what you can get. Gaia hauled to his feet by teammate Marcus Andre. And Mallorca have done it again. They've thrown points away late on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.